0: Good Monday afternoon, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for watching the program. Thank you kindly for participating within the program with your perspective, your thoughts, your questions. Heck, if you want to challenge what we have to say, we don't mind that at all either. You disagree with us, let us know. You agree with us, let us know. We just want this to be the water cooler of conversation of local topics here in Charlottesville. And today's show is a microcosm of that statement. We'll talk schools. We'll talk zoning and real estate. We'll talk a new business coming to Charlottesville, a new brewery, a new brewery coming to High Street. We got those details for you. We got a food talk on today's program. We did a a post over the weekend on the best burgers around the Charlottesville area and it absolutely exploded. Unfortunately, we have hate propaganda, flyers, and direct mail targeting the neighborhoods and the houses around Johnson Elementary. This literally happens after Fox News airs the video within Johnson Elementary, a video amplified by Rob Schilling. Residents around Johnson Elementary reach out to us by the dozens. I'm not going to show the propaganda on the program. I've seen it, it is nasty. Nasty. Directly tied to a group from North Carolina who marched on August 12, 2017 in our town. Ugh, such a mess. Ugh. I'm going to play a video on today's program from the Citizens for Responsible Planning the Citizens for Responsible Planning are the lobbying group that are opposed to upzoning. They are the direct opposite of livable Charlottesville. Is that, what, is that what they're called? What's Steven Johnson's and Matthew Gilligan's group called? I think it's livable Charlottesville. Yeah, livable Seaville. You can find them online at livableseaville.org you got two groups lobbying, one for upzoning, one against upzoning. The one that's against upzoning just put a video together that is produced to the highest quality. I have permission from that group to play that video in totality. If you've watched this program, you know I'm against upzoning because I don't think this process has been thought out. We'll play a video that backs a lot of the decisions, a lot of the statements I've made on this show. First, I gotta talk education. I talk schools on this program quite a bit. And why I talk schools on this program quite a bit is because my wife and I have a rising kindergartner, and this is smack dab like right in front of us on our breakfast table, a conversation with parents. like This is the ecosystem that I'm running in now because our oldest is going to school in kindergarten and we're running in social circles with parents of elementary kids, middle school kids, high school kids, and they're talking about it. This show is a reflection of the topics I come across in my life. Forward Moral, and please, someone get Sarah Harris in the mix. Someone get Mary Nacy in the mix. Is that how you say her last name, N-A-C-E-Y? She's the secretary, Mary Nacy? Someone get Chris Seaman in the mix. S-E-A-M-A-N, Chris with a C. That's the executive board of Forward Albemarle. Yesterday, the executive board of Forward Albemarle released a blog post that again, I find to be nasty in its foundation. (laughs) That blog post is called Follow the Money in Local School Board Races. I actually am going to read this blog post to you because I think it's important to read. We got Charlottesville's Finest and uh, the Fire Department going by. Hold on one second. There goes engine number five for the Charlottesville Fire Department. Uh. All right, you can find this information at forwardalmoral.com. Click the blog link if you want to read it yourself. I'll read it to you on today's program. It's five paragraphs long. And again, the authors of these blog posts continue to marginalize Albemarle County candidate Meg Bryce and her voice by linking it to her husband, her father's Supreme Court Justice You do the research yourself, saying basically she can't think for her own. I mean, Sarah, what you are doing is marginalizing the voices of women everywhere. I hope you realize that. All right, here's the blog post. The headline, Follow the Money in Local School Board Races. The disclosure of money in politics is central to the integrity of our democratic system. As the Supreme Court has held, campaign disclosure laws serve... Oh, you got a grammatical error in the second sentence, Sarah Harris. You have, as the Supreme Court has held, campaign disclosure laws serve and vital. It's a vital. So there's a grammatical error in your second sentence there. You may want to correct that, please. I'll start over because the grammatical error was difficult for me to um, get over as an editor. So let me start from the beginning. The disclosure of money in politics is central to the integrity of our democratic system. As the Supreme Court has held, campaign disclosure laws serve a, not an, vital informational function, revealing who is financially backing a candidate for public office and, in turn, how a candidate spends that money. Even Supreme Court Justice Anton Scalia, who generally disfavored limits on campaign contributions, and expeditures believed in the importance of transparency, stating that the American people are neither sheep nor fools and hence fully capable of considering both the substance of the speech presented to them and its proximate and ultimate source. Voters deserve to know who a candidate is associating with when they accept a donor's money and where they spend it. That's the first paragraph. Mentioning Meg's father who has passed away in the first paragraph of this blog post is a dig at Meg. Okay? That's a dig at Meg. It's low brow, Sarah. Low brow, Sarah Harris. Second paragraph. This is I'm gonna read it verbatim the second paragraph the latest campaign finance disclosures for candidates for the Almore County School Board are deeply revealing, especially since school board races are nonpartisan. Both Meg Bryce, uses maiden name in there, for, forgets that she's a PhD. I would like to see doctor including with her name. She's earned it. Both Meg Bryce, the youngest daughter of a Supreme Court Justice, we know that. Why is that being included in your post, Sarah Harris? Dr. Bryce thinks for herself, and by you co-branding herself to her father, who's passed away, you, Sarah Harris, are marginalizing the voice of women, basically saying. Dr. Bryce cannot think for herself, and she's just a robot or product of her father and will strictly only pass along his ideology to Almaro County. Sarah, you're marginalizing the voice of women by doing this, basically saying she cannot be an independent thinker. I, I literally want you to realize that, what you're doing. I will continue. Meg Bryce, the youngest daughter of a Supreme Court Justice who is running for the at-large seat, and Joanne McDermott, who is running for the Whitehall seat, received reportable contributions from John Lowry, the current chair of the Albemarle County Republican Party. Bryce and McDermott also received sizable contributions from Randy Zacherson, the failed 2021 write-in candidate for the Samuel Miller seat. Who repeatedly attacked Almoral County public school leadership for his anti-racism policy? In addition, Dr. Bryce reported a donation from Ann McLean, who was forced to withdraw as Governor Yunkin's nominee to the Board of Historic Resources last year after she praised pro-Confederate monuments and argued that secession was not treason. Another Bryce donor, Donald Lee Woodsmall, has publicly made anti-Muslim statements. Bryce and McDermott's expenditures are also eye-opening. Bryce paid $250 to the Noah Webster Educational Foundation, a right-wing organization that openly seeks to reclaim America's education by infusing our public schools with Christian nationalism to attend a trading session for Virginia School Board members with conservative values. Among other topics, this trading session featured a session on how to ban books, from school libraries. Bryce later praised this training session, which had Governor Glenn Youngkin as a featured speaker as excellent and inspiring, which the Noah Webster Education Foundation happily featured in its promotional materials. Even more shocking, McDermott spent over $2,500, it was actually closer to $2,700, in consulting fees to rob Schilling, that was a mistake. That's my opinion. I'll get to that in a matter of moments. Over $2,500 in consulting fees to Rob Schilling, a right-wing talk show host, 1070WINA, who regularly spews hatred to the LGBTQIA community and attacks public education, which he calls government schools. Most recently, Schilling aired an unauthorized video of children from Johnson Elementary in Charlottesville reading from a book supporting LGBTQ acceptance, which included words like belonging, gender, and kindness. This video was then picked up and shared by multiple national conservative news outlets, including Fox News, violating the rights of the kids and their parents, none of whom consented to being filmed or or for the video to be shared. Since then, parents, teachers, and school leaders have been falsely accused of grooming and indoctrination. Ultimately, if you want to know where the school board candidates stand, follow the money. Forward out more a blog post. All right. I got a lot of people watching this program right now.
1: you want some comments?
0: Not yet. we will read your comments on air. First, I'll start with this. Does anyone, do you see now why qualified candidates choose not to run for politics at the local level in Charlottesville and Albemarle County? Whether it's Kellen Squire and Amy Lawfer mudslinging about abortion whether it's Sally Hudson gunslinging sorry mudslinging gunslinging mudslinging about creed deeds and his stance on guns and gun control whether it's this nastiness from forward outmaro a lobbying group made up of former teachers why would a candidate that has an ideology or a thought process that is different from very democratic Charlottesville or very democratic Almaro, choose to put their hat in the ring. Take yours truly me. One of the things you've learned from me, if you haven't, you will by watching this program, I have extremely thick skin. I talk topics that put me in the crossfire and the crosshairs of tens of thousands of people, if not a couple hundred thousand people, on a regular and daily basis. There are meme accounts about me on Instagram and on Twitter, literally meme accounts about me. And someone of my personality makeup, my DNA structure, that hatred actually fuels my fire and drives me to to work harder drives me to be the best version of myself there are some personality makeups that almost embrace or crave or yearn or want the hate but not everyone's made up that way Not everyone has that personality trait. A guy like a Michael Jordan, he takes the hate and he puts it and tapes it to the mirror so he can see it every day. Kobe Bryant, another guy, he takes, he took, rest in power, Kobe Bryant, he took the hate and literally put it in a place that he could see every day. Kobe Bryant, when he retired, he was active in the AAU basketball circuit. One of his daughters was a heck of a basketball player, and Kobe, either through funding or coaching, was a part of his daughter's basketball progress at the AAU level. Kobe's daughter's team, they did not do very well in a basketball tournament. They got fourth or fifth place. That fourth or fifth place showing still garnered a trophy for the team. That's the everyone gets a trophy mentality and culture that I vehemently am opposed to. And so was Kobe Bryant. Kobe's daughter and her teammates went to Kobe Bean Bryant, a Hall of Famer, and said, Mr. Bryant, Coach Bryant, Kobe, whatever he went by, What should we do with this fourth or fifth place trophy? It doesn't mean anything to us because you taught us first place is what we're going after. This is what Kobe Bryant said to a group of elementary-aged female basketball players in AAU. He said, I want you to take this trophy that makes you angry, pissed off, disappointed, demoralized, whatever word you want to use. And I want you to take this trophy and put it in a place that you will see every single day. And I want you, 10 and 11 year old girls, to take the emotions you feel from seeing this trophy every single day and use it to fuel your fire. That is what I do. Literally, with the hate my way. But I relay this to you because not everyone's made with that personality makeup. Some people, when faced with controversy or hate or nastiness, they fold, they think twice, They choose to stay on the sidelines and not enter the arena. And you legitimately have a lobbying group called Forward Almoral. That is a champion. <coughs> Forward Almoral is a champion of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Forward Almoral is a champion of L G B T Q I A plus. Yet they also are utilizing hate-filled tactics to try to limit who enters the arena of politics. Explain to me how your lobbying group can be a champion of diversity of thought, equity, and inclusion. Explain to me how your lobbying group can be a champion for the L G, B, T, Q, I, A, plus community, and yet use hate-filled tactics to limit or prevent diversity, equity, and inclusion of political thought. You know what that's called? That's called hypocrisy. That's called hypocrisy, Sarah Harris. And this ain't my fight to fight. It's not my battle to wage. But when you write content that takes a candidate who is a PhD who is trying to enter a political arena and campaign fairly. I haven't seen a single tactic from Dr. Bryce that I would quantify as nasty or mudslinging. I've seen her opponent, Alison Spillman, do it on Instagram with her stories. Bryce has not done that once. Spillman her opponent, has. Bryce is trying to run this race cleanly. Did she take money from John Lowry, the head of the GOP in Amaro County? Yes. And what is wrong with that? Did she go to a seminar with the Noah Webster Educational Foundation? Yes. Do they have right-wing ties? Sure. But what is wrong with that? She is diversifying her thought and her perspective on education to be a more well-rounded candidate. Forward Almaro is using that against her saying, we don't want that type of ideology or thought anywhere near our public schools. It would seem Forward Almoro and Sarah Harris, it would seem Forward Almoro and Nancy, Mary Nacy, it would seem Forward Almoro and Chris Seaman, reek of hypocrisy. We want diversity of thought as long as it tows the thought diversity we embody. But that thought diversity, as soon as, it not fit, as soon as it doesn't fit our box, our approval box, if it falls outside of our approval box, we're going to get nasty. And we're going to say to the world that this candidate can't think for herself. She's the daughter of a Supreme Court justice, and this is how he thought. So this is how she thinks. That's BS. And that's marginalizing the voices of women everywhere. Because you're basically saying she can't think for herself. Now, I will say this, there was one clear-cut mistake, and perhaps when Joanne McDermott spent the near $2,700 with Rob Schilling for campaign consultation, branding, whatever the hell Schilling did for Joanne McDermott. I hope to God Joanne McDermott spent that $2,700 before Rob Schilling took that Johnson Elementary video, edited it, produced it, tried to monetize it without parental consent, amplified it, shared it without parental approval. Joanne, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I think you probably spent the $2,700 with Rob before he did this because Rob's in a world of hot water. So much that Rob has taken that video off his YouTube channel and off his blog. And Rob, I'm I'm gonna be straightforward with you here, okay, pal? That video that you edited, that you produced, that you try to monetize, that you amplified, that you shared, that you played on a radio station airwaves without approval from management, that video has got collateral damage. And you wanna know what some of that collateral damage is? A KKK group from North Carolina has come to Charlottesville and is passing out Nazi-themed propaganda all over the houses around Johnson Elementary. I've seen it. I got it. I'm not going to show it to you, just like I had the video and wouldn't play it on this network. Why? Because that's called good judgment. A group that was here on August 12, 2017 came back to Charlottesville with Nazi-themed propaganda and is sharing that propaganda all over the houses around Johnson Elementary. That's called collateral damage of piss-poor decision-making. We cannot, I'll choose my words differently. a public school grassroots lobbying group cannot champion diversity, equity, and inclusion when it only applies to the diversity, equity, and inclusion they want to pursue. Because that's the antithesis of diversity, equity, and inclusion And instead, that's a siloed perspective that is frightening, scary, and terrifying. If we want true diversity, equity, and inclusion, we want political candidates of all diverse equity and inclusion thought processes. That seems very straightforward to me. I will always, and I think you've realized this on this network, fight for the little guy, the underdog. Always. I will, and you've seen it on this network how many times, always stand up for what I think is right and take a stance against something that I think is wrong. To the point that I get bombarded with nastiness on a daily basis. And that is a byproduct of giving your opinion on a daily basis in front of tens of thousands of people. I get it. And I got the personality makeup to manage and handle it. And at the end of the day, it just drives me. Gosh, it motivates me. But not everyone has those traits. All right. In about two minutes, I'm gonna play a video from the Citizens for Responsible Planning. That's a great comment from Deep Throat. He said, Would Forward Almoral dare ask this question, follow the money for the other races? when it would just be a giant arrow to Sonia Smith and Michael Bills' house. Sonia Smith and Michael Bills, and Michael Bills' PAC, his political action committee, Michael Bills, Sonia Smith, and the Clean Virginia PAC, those three entities, two people in a PAC, more than 2x the political contributions of Dominion Electric over the last political cycle. More than 2 x should we follow the money? Forward, Almaro, if the money that's followed leads us straight into your living room? All right, Judah, two shot it And get to some comments. In two minutes, I'm going to play a video from the Citizens for Responsible Planning lobbying group, who is the direct opposite of livable Charlottesville. Judah Wickower, the show is yours on any comments that you think applicable that we should read.
1: Oh, man. Well, let's see. Um, uh, we got quite a few here, so I'll uh, see if I can... Cherry-pick some of the best, if you could. I'll try. Um, Bill McChesney said the KKK group was here July 8th at Jackson Park before August 12th. The only problems that day were the counter-protesters. Getting into some of the comments about... uh, about Dr. Bryce Um, let's see uh, just read them okay Kevin Yancey says school boards are supposed to be about child development period personal opinions beliefs religion must be checked at the door Uh, Carly Wagner says she's trying most importantly to improve the education system rather than expand political ideals into the school Chad Woods says, you're spot on, Jerry. Carly Wagner goes on to say, we have already seen how much improvement in education the progressive forward leaders of the school board have given us. The basic metrics of our education system are at a low of lows. Maybe we need to return focus back to the basics of education, reading, writing, arithmetic.
0: I got comments I'm reading too. It. Vanessa Parkhill, Kobe Bryant, Mamba mentality, Michael Jordan. When he didn't make the team in high school, mom asked him what he was going to do about it. Amazing men that are great examples for all of us. Stacy Baker, Patty. It's only diversity and inclusion if you have the same thought process or adopt whole cloth what is a certain ideology. Apparently, diversity of thought is not welcome. That's been made very clear, and it's sad, dude. It's so obvious that that's happening right now. I am unafraid to point this out to people. And that's why you guys watch this program. Because I am unabashed when it comes to my pursuit of honesty and my pursuit of standing up for what is right and wrong. Even if that leads me into the crossfire or the crosshairs of the populace. I am unafraid of the populace. Unafraid. I put this on Twitter over the weekend. Okay? I literally put this on Twitter over the weekend. Approval is not necessary. I want you to to think about that. People's approval and what people think of you is not necessary. Once you can get over the fact that... Once you get over the fact that what other people think of you doesn't really matter in life, you truly have an invigorated spirit. An invigorated spirit that is much freer and less handcuffed in pursuit of happiness. When you start thinking about what other people think of you, you start making decisions based on what is my neighbor going to think, what is my co-worker going to think, what is my colleague going to think. And that type of thought process limits happiness. If you don't give a rat's ASS what other folks think about you, it is invigorating. And then how you go about life and the choices you make are truly, truly a level of happiness that you will not experience unless you go about it that way. The show is blowing up right now. Literally blowing up right now. Anything else you want to highlight before we get to the video?
1: Oh, let's see. Bill McChesney just said, uh, hold on. What's that? No diversity or inclusion of thought when the majority of kids and parents don't want to change the name of the school.
0: John Blair on LinkedIn, good luck to you and your wife. The summer right before your first child starts kindergarten is a time of both excitement and anxiety. I hope all goes well for your summer as you prepare for this milestone. Thank you, John Blair. We love you, JB. Juan
1: Sarmiento said, that's what is great about you guys. You will at least hear another point of view whether you
0: agree or not. 100%. I want point of views that are different than mine. I want to be challenged every day in politics, ideology, perspective, business acumen, real estate, anything. I want to learn from you. And what Forward Almaro is basically saying is their thought doesn't fit our box of approval. So keep them out of the ring.
1: Chad Wood said, when someone mentions her dad, it's time to leave the conversation. It's like chasing your tail at that point. What? And Sarah Hill Buczynski said, agreed, however, some ideologues truly want to cancel and destroy you and your family personally if you disagree with them.
0: So hard to withstand that if it could mean losing your livelihood, but we have to be brave. Sarah Hill buchinski I 1,000% appreciate that comment that you just said. But if we constantly respond in... If we constantly respond to cancel culture with fear and what can this do to us, then cancel culture is going to get the W. And get the W. And get the W. I have found that being honest and unabashed with my opinion, like I am on a daily basis, has been a... has been monumental for our businesses because there's others that feel this way and they're grateful for the charge leading. All right, let's get to real estate. And if you want to read the blog, it's on forwardalmoral.com. Click the blog post. Do you have the video ready to go? Yeah. Um, Jesse Rutherford, hello. Welcome to the program. Love you, Jesse Rutherford. Travis Hackworth in Danville, Carly Wagner, Vanessa Parkhill, um, Carrie Taylor, Brittany Gray, Lisa Custolo, Bill McChenzie, Aaron King, Nikki Chambliss, Lonnie Murray, Sarah Hill Carrie Griggs, Scott Q, Jason Howard, Patty Z, Juan Sarmiento, Michael Blevins, Watching in Brazil, Andre Xavier, Scott Aaronworth in Virginia Beach, Jamie Turner, Todd Raff, the owner of Blue Toad Hard Cider. All welcome to the program. Curtis Shaver, State Senate candidate Philip Andrew Hamilton, Kate Schartz and Ivy. Dean Russell, welcome to the program. Thank you kindly for joining us. I can continue if you like. I'm so grateful for your viewership, your participation, and your support of this program. I'm going to talk real estate now. There's a video I'm going to play here from the lobbying group, Citizens for Responsible Planning. You can find them online at crp-seaville.org. I'll give the URL again, crp Hey, appreciate you too. CRP-Seville.org, Citizens for Responsible Planning. You got the video ready to go? How long is the video? About four minutes and 35 this seconds. This is about four minutes and 35 seconds? Okay. This, um, the context of the video is, this is what could happen to the city of Charlottesville if upzoning becomes a reality. This is fantastic video. Let's, I'll give you my thoughts after this. Um, Judah, let's queue it up in three. Let's queue it up in two. Let's play that bad boy now.
2: Over the past two years, Citizens for Responsible Planning has posted more than 30 articles on Charlottesville's proposed new zoning ordinance. We have stressed the magnitude of the changes this new ordinance would impose on all city neighborhoods and revealed the inadequacies of the city's planning in preparing for those changes. Specifically, we have stressed several key facts. First, the ordinance would eliminate all single-family zoning. Second, it would promote increased density in all city neighborhoods to massively increase both population and density. Third, it will fail in its primary stated purpose of providing affordable housing. Fourth, what little planning has been done to prepare for change is entirely inadequate. The city has not even performed a simple traffic impact analysis. Perhaps most troubling of all, however, The proposed zoning ordinance opens all residential neighborhoods to commercial development. The effect will be to unalterably change Charlottesville. To help residents understand the magnitude of that change, this video shows what commercial buildings might look like in three city neighborhoods. The first example is a lot at the corner of Yorktown Drive and Kenwood Lane. This lot is currently zoned R1 and so is protected from commercial development. The new plan would change the zoning to something called RA. The R may suggest that this is limited to residential uses, but that is misleading. In addition to as many as 8 residential units, commercial use is also permitted in RA areas. This corner lot of 0.8 acres near Charlottesville High School could be subdivided to give commercial frontage on both roads. Here is a street-level view of the present house, fairly typical of development in Greenbrier and here we suggest a single small business that might wish to be located near the high school. The developer has not yet made full use of the property, but if successful, the project could be expanded into two separate businesses on separate lots, or simply by adding on to this structure. The second example is a much smaller lot in the middle of Elliott Avenue in Belmont. Its current zoning is R1S, which restricts it to a single family residence. Under the new zoning, this lot would be deemed RB, a zone that allows up to 12 residential units as well as commercial uses. Here's how the lot appears now, occupied by a modest home. Being relatively inexpensive, it could be a profitable investment for a range of small commercial developers. Here we have replaced the house with a convenience store, one that has operated successfully for many years along Grady Avenue. Since the new ordinance does not require parking, customers will park along with residents on the street. Finally, we show an R1 lot along Rugby Avenue in the Rugby Barracks neighborhood. The new zoning designates this lot RC, which allows up to 16 residential units and significantly larger commercial buildings. Because Rugby Avenue connects the 250 bypass with Rose Hill Drive and Preston Avenue, it carries through traffic that could make it attractive to commercial developers wishing to exploit commuters on their way to and from the county. Here is the way this area looks today – a mixture of owner-occupied and rental middle-class homes, most on parcels of about 0.2 acres. Instead of subdividing a larger lot, as in Greenbrier, here we use adjacent parcels for commercial strip development. In this case, the external costs imposed – traffic, noise, external night lighting and trash – are great enough to cause adjacent residents to flee. This allows commercial developers to pick up additional parcels to extend ever further into a residential neighborhood. We suggest that, as it stands, the new zoning plan will result in radical changes to Charlottesville. No longer a place of attractive, moderately priced rental and owner-occupied homes, it will become an expensive and unattractive hodgepodge of mixed-use neighborhoods in which residents and commercial developers contend increasingly over transportation, parking, lighting, and tree cover. Thank you for viewing our presentation. You can tell City Council how you feel about the proposed zoning changes by emailing councillors at the following addresses.
0: I appreciate you um, setting that video our way, Citizens for Responsible Planning. Now, because I am a champion of diversity, equity, and inclusion of thought, unlike perhaps Forward Almaro, I will welcome Livable Charlottesville, who is opposed to this video that I just played, on the exact opposite end of the aisle of the Citizens for Responsible Planning, Livable Charlottesville, Stephen Johnson, Matthew Gillikin, if you have a video or content you would like to share with our vast audience, you have an invitation to share that content and we will play it on the show. Unlike Forward Almaro, our platform is not just a silo of the ideas we champion. Instead, our platform is a welcoming and inviting platform that looks for all concepts to be considered. So Matthew Gilligan and Steven Johnson, if you and your livable Charlottesville organization would like to share some kind of content for our massive, massive, massive following, I am happy to do that. You can email me, you can DM me, you can text me, you can reach Judah or me, and we will get it on there. Some thoughts from the video you just saw. I 1,000% agree that this concept has not been truly truly, truly analyzed and 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 tested and 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 thought of from every single angle if you get a commercial business right next to somebody's house and obviously they use the shady, grady convenience store and the tobacco hut that's on the Waffle House on Fifth Street Station for a reason. Because the tobacco hut that's on Fifth Street Station, down Fifth Street in the old Waffle House spot and the shady, grady convenience store, they conjure connotations and denotations. And those connotations and denotations inspire emotion. That's why they chose those particular businesses to show in this video whether it's a tobacco hut or a convenience store or it's a business of any kind, I think you and I would agree that having a business that operates in a 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. like a convenience store does capacity right next to the place your little kids are sleeping and getting ready for school the next day is a conflict of quality of life and interest for so many of us. Many of us purchased our homes based on longevity and making memories and years of love and laughter and, and, and Christmases and Easter egg huts and Santa coming down the chimney and Thanksgiving dinners and and, and and pancakes that you shape into animals. So your little boys, when they come down the stairs and they see on their plates. You got a giraffe and a bear for your pancakes, and they get a giggle. And mom and dad in the kitchen appreciate that giggle because it's the little things when you have a seven-month-old who has not slept a single damn day of his life. It's the little things like the giggle from your little boys when they see a pancake shaped in the form of an animal. And we make these memories in our homes with the game plan of years of longevity And just like that, a house becomes a home. And the difference between a house and a home is love and laughter and memories and the giggles over animal-shaped pancakes in the morning. When you completely revamp zoning, you are essentially betraying the folks that bought houses based on plans that have been placed for decades. You're basically telling your citizens and your taxpayers, we don't care if a convenience store is next to you. We don't care if dozens of people are coming to the convenience store next to you every hour or the tobacco hut next to you every hour. We don't care if it disturbs your children at night as they're sleeping and getting ready for kindergarten. We don't care what the traffic can do from a safety standpoint when your little children are playing in the front yard. And from my standpoint, that is an injustice. And then from my standpoint, that's why you will see Entities form in the shape of HOAs that prevent this kind of injustice of materializing. And if you're on a street in Charlottesville and you want a little bit of protection from this, I very much encourage you guys to organize, strategize, galvanize with an HOA attorney. And form a little cluster homeowners association that can be only a few folks on your street. A few houses on your street. Because the likelihood of you getting approval of all of Belmont. All of Hogwaller. All of Woollen Mills. All of Prospect. Is not realistic. But you probably could get the approval of the 8, 10, 12 houses on your block or the eight ten houses on your street, and you form a micro one. And then that gives you a little protection from a convenience store or a tobacco hut materializing, manifesting next door. Little bit of advice for you. I also think the priority for home owners associations will get more significant as this upzoning gets closer and closer to becoming a reality. And Neil Williamson and Keith Smith said on Real Talk earlier today that they expect that to become a reality as late, as early as the end of this year. I've been saying this from day one, and I'm not an I-told-you-so kind of guy. I'm just consistent with the advice and strategy that I offer. Same way I manage and work alongside our clients same way all right if you want to jump in with any comments let me know j dubs bill mcchesney says the corner of yorktown doesn't even come near to the density of the foxbrook neighborhood a block over that recently had three homes which have sold or have contracts over one million dollars each
1: Several others. Go uh, ahead. Nora, Nora Alley Gaffney says uh, that little house in Belmont is one of my favorites to walk by. My heart hurts seeing what could happen. Katie Treviso Pearl says... KTP! It feels like Pandora's box. Once you open up that zoning, I would assume there's no way of going back. Philip Dowell says, glad I don't live in Charlottesville. However, my father lives in town and it, and it's very scary what could happen where he lives. Carly Wagner says if commercial use was removed from approved use for all our zoning designations would that help with most of the concerns of upzoning? I only ask because I don't think this is an all or nothing issue. The best solution likely lies in the gray areas trying to work between the two opposing views to fish out the right plan and Sarah Hill Baczynski says I thought this was about adding more housing Why the commercial potential with these new
0: R-zoning areas? There you go. There you go. Yeah. The commercial potential is flying under the radar, isn't it? It's flying under the radar, ain't it? KTP, strong comment. If you could give props to those folks via comments, that would be fantastic. One of the reasons my wife and I, my family and I purchased in a HOA neighborhood in Keswick, there were a lot of reasons. We appreciated the safety and the security of the neighborhood. We got a really good deal on the house. We bought it in March of 2020 when the world was coming to an end. The home is legitimately up 90% in value and three years, three and a half years. But we also knew that this particular neighborhood and this particular area would not face the impact of consultants and progressives changing the landscape of the neighborhood and the area. It was strategic by me and my wife, my wife and I, very strategic. Not everyone has the vision or the resources to do that. And as a result, I feel compelled to stand up and fight and champion for the little guy. Because you shouldn't have, you should not, you should not have a vape shop, a tobacco hut, a convenience store capable or conceivable or birthable next to your house. Even the thought of doing that is probably causing anxiety for many in the city. Bill McChesney, do you have anxiety about this? I bet he very much does. He has another comment, too. This from Deep Throat. Bottom line, ADUs, duplex equals compatible with existing low density residential and will actually get used. An Apex and a tobacco hut, not compatible and probably not gonna get used much, certainly not for not luxury housing. Why is council not just doing the former and not the latter? I have no problem with ADUs. I have no problem with the granny flat and the backyard. I have no problem with an accelerated dwelling unit like a basement apartment and giving a homeowner the ability to create a basement apartment legally or a granny flat cottage in the backyard. I do have a problem of opening, as KTP said, a Pandora's box for entrepreneurs and capitalists and developers to put for-profit commercial businesses next to residential cribs. I do have a problem with that. Oh, crazy times, man. All right. We'll get to your topics, put them in the feed if you want to relay them live on air. I just got an email from Jeff Fogle. Jeff Fogle just sent me an email looking to rent one of my office spaces. When I respond to Jeff Fogle's email about the available office space, well, Jeff pursue the office space in the building. That's very interesting. Um, All right, next topic. This is a little bit of uh, breaking news for you. There's a brewery that is in the works for um, High Street. It's called Hogwaller Brewing and Hogwaller Brewing is coming to 1518 East High Street. 1518 East High Street. Um, the brewery, and I'm looking at some of the approvals, or the seeking of approval here with the ABC. The LLC is called Flood Plain Brewing, LLC. That's interesting because East High Street is an LLC. They're doing business as DBA, as Hogwaller Brewing, 1518 East High Street. Could you Google map that with a red circle? Is that difficult to do in quick capacity? How long does that normally take? Getting a Google map and putting the red circle around 1518 East High Street. Or better yet, just going to Google, Google Street View. If you go to Google Street View and then just do the 1518 East High Street, that might be faster. I, I like this, man. I've said so many times on this program, East High Street is one of the most like, underperforming, forgotten quarters of the city of Charlottesville. I think it's either Cherry Avenue or East High Street as the most forgotten, underperforming. I mean, if you walk down East High Street, that's where Riverside is, where Fabio's is, where Jack and Jill's is. I love these businesses. But if you try to walk down East High Street, you're literally risking your life. If you try to walk down East High Street with children or a baby uh, stroller or little kids holding your hand, you're risking their lives. In fact, a pedestrian was hit by a car on East High Street, and that collision was captured by a business camera on East High Street, and it led to um, criminal act. Was it conviction? I'm not sure if we're at the point of conviction, but certainly uh, media attention. East High Street should be awesome. It's next to the river. It connects Pantops and Almoral County to the city of Charlottesville. It's got awesome businesses like Riverside. I think that's the best burger in the Charlottesville area, the Riverside Burger. Awesome businesses like Fabio's, like Jack and Jill's. Awesome businesses like La Michoacana. Why don't we make East High Street pedestrian and bicycle friendly? Why don't we leverage the Rivanna River and all the potential that is the Rivanna River on East High Street? How about a river walk? How about bars that overlook the Rivanna River with decks where we can enjoy cocktails and food and food trucks and beers while overlooking the Rivanna River? Wouldn't that be cool? I think it would be. I'm sure you do, too. If you have that street view map, give me a thumbs up. If it's asking too much, I totally understand as well. But Just that's about. breaking news for you. Floodplain Brewing LLC doing business as Hogwaller Brewing coming to 1518 East High Street. Another brewery? Will I support it? Absolutely. I will support it. I will give it ample opportunity to succeed. Is it getting to be a saturated space? Yes, it is. You got breweries coming to Preston Avenue, a new one coming to Preston Avenue. You got Selvage moving across from the Boreshead Resort, and evidently a new brewery on East High Street coming called Hogwaller Brewing. I like the name, I like the brand. Very much in favor of it. What are your thoughts, viewers and listeners? Yeah, Jason Howard, King of Rio Road, makes this comment. One of those images on that video, he says, was one of those images was a house turning into a 7-Eleven. How does a first-time homebuyer outbid 7-Eleven? What's its land they can both utilize? They can't. They cannot beat 7-Eleven if 7-Eleven wanted to buy a house. 7-Eleven is going to have deeper pockets than Johnny and Susie, first-time homebuyer. Are Johnny and Susie boomers trying to get into a much more small house so they can age in place? Strong comment. You got the street view on screen? Yeah. Look at the screen. There's 1518 East High Street. Good work, Judah. 1518 East High Street is the former what? Pie Chess production building? If you go by 1518 East High Street, you will see tremendous amount of um, remodeling done to this location. They actually cut a hole into the side wall of 1518 East High Street. I drive from Keswick down Pantops and take a left on High Street to come to our building on Market Street almost on a daily basis. So it's going to go in that old pie chest spot. Albert Graves, I saw the shootings. These shootings and murders keep happening in Charlottesville and the county. That can't be good for property values or people wanting to move there. This one this past weekend was on South Street. A shooting that led to a death on South Street. I have yet to hear from the Charlottesville Police Department if this was murder. I have heard some scuttlebutt that this could be a suicide but I am not going to speculate whether it was a murder or a suicide until I hear from the Charlottesville Police Department. But Albert Graves is right. Dead bodies on South Street, a hop, skip, and a jump from a tapas restaurant and a brewery, and two hops and a skip and a jump from the downtown mall are not good for commerce and or brand equity. Albert Graves... I mention this live on air. Enter publish, sent to Albert. Anything you want to add, Wickhauer? Jdubs?
1: <laughs> I'm just reading Bill McChesney's comment. What's Bill's? He says Politic- you- politically correct planners don't like the name
0: Hogwaller. They prefer East Belmont. <laughs> I love that. That's all about branding right there. Yeah. I, I, Hogwaller is way better than East Belmont. Yeah. Hogwaller mm-hmm. champions the fact that this neighborhood was birthed in the shadows of a pig slaughtering factory. Sure. We should honor the history. Ginny Hu says on Twitter, I still want to have a conversation about the school program where parents were parents made aware of it ahead of time? Jenny Who is basically asking, were the parents of Johnson Elementary alerted prior to the LBGTQ book being read on the playground a few weeks ago? I would bet you a lot of money they were not. I mentioned this live on air. Thank you for watching. That's on Twitter.
1: And Vanessa Parkhill says, do you think the city council is allowing the commercial development in order to advance the goals of eliminating food deserts, cars, et cetera, along with their increased density, thus creating those self-contained walkable neighborhoods you talked about on real talk. I'm not sure it will play out the way they're hoping, but do you think that's their intent? And then she goes on to say, is the assumption city planners are working under is that everyone is looking to give up their car? Not
0: me. Great stuff, Queen of Earliesville. Vanessa Parco. Uh, give her some props with a little response. Which comment do you like the best today? Let's let's mail a sticker to somebody. You pick who you want to mail a sticker to. Someone who left a comment on the show, they get a sticker. You pick the best one. Judah Judah Wickower will pick it and mail it. Mail you a sticker today. He'll DM you through my account. Mail you a sticker today. Pick someone fresh if you could. Actually, you don't even have to pick someone fresh. All right, I'll close with something a little bit lighter. Uh, I put a list together on the I Love Seville network. The best burgers in the Charlottesville area. And that list included um, number one, Riverside. Number two, Citizen Burger Bars Steakhouse Burger. Jack Brown's, Greg Brady, the Borshead Resort's double cheeseburger, that one's good. The White Spot's Gus Burger, those were my top five. Riverside's, this is how I get my Riverside Burger. I get my Riverside Burger as a double bacon cheeseburger with mustard, pickles, and fried onions. I get a side of French fries and onion rings, a half and half basket. And then I get another appetizer of the fried cheese balls. And I wash all that food down with three full Nelsons from Blue Mountain Brewery. One of my favorite meals I can possibly get. A double bacon cheeseburger with fried onions, pickles, and mustard. A basket of french fries and onion rings. The fried cheese balls. Jalapeno cheddar fried cheese balls. Damn good. And three full Nelsons from Blue Mountain Brewery. You give me that. I'm as happy as the Cheshire cat with a sleeve of Ritz crackers and a tin can of Cheese Whiz. Just give me that meal. But the steakhouse burger at Citizen's pretty damn good too. It's got the crispy fried onion straws on it. The Greg Brady, oh, love the Greg Brady. Let me give you the exact uh, Greg Brady Jack Browns. The Greg Brady. It's a burger top with house made mac and cheese, American cheese, and Martin's barbecue chips. Darn good. Give me three IPAs with that one as well. Uh, the Borset Resort's got a double cheeseburger that is off the chain. And the White Spot, the Gus Burger, is the real deal. If you haven't had Gus Burger, then you haven't truly lived in Charlottesville. I did this post and immediately it went viral. I'm looking at the post on my personal Facebook page about this. And when you start getting a lot of followers like, like we have, you start getting these analytic analytics functions that the average profile may not have. On my one Facebook page alone, just Jerry Miller now, my personal Facebook page, this post had a post reach of over 27,000 people. Over 27,000 people were touched by this post and it had 150 some comments on it. One post alone. Then you click on the same analytics function on I Love Seville Instagram. 14,000 plus people on the I Love Seville Instagram count alone. It went viral. Some of the other suggestions for the best burgers in the area. I think number six is the smash burger from Selvage Brewing Company. Remember, Selvage Brewing Company is moving across from the Borshead Resort, and they're going to turn that into a sports bar. That smash burger with their house sauce is fantastic. Martin's, north of town, owned by a friend of the program, that's fantastic as well. The only reason Martin's not in my top six, because I don't go north of town ever. I rarely go north of Barracks Road, to be frank. Um, Other suggestions, the smash burger at Patch, the Rapture Burger was a su- suggestion. People said Mike and Cece have a phenomenal, pers- phenomenal uh, burger. Yeah, Carly Wagner. That's literally what I eat at Riverside: a double bacon cheeseburger with fried onions, mustard, and pickles, fried cheese balls, the French fry and onion ring basket, and three full Nelsons. Mm-hmm. Fantastic! I'm hungry for it right now. I love you, Riverside love you riverside i love you riverside the rapture burger um came up people said a burger at fabio's was very good people said um the brother's bar behind the porno shop you know where the porno shop is judah
1: i think so you're talking about bliss
0: ultimate bliss have you ever been into the porno shop no just check it out is it fun it's a porno shop.
1: Okay.
0: There's a bar directly behind the porno shop called Brothers. I think it's K'Night Brothers Bar and Grill. And it used to be Big Jim's. I and think I was there when it was Big Jim's. Evidently, they offer the burger either uh, flatty or fatty. Hmm. Fatty or flatty, meaning they'll smash it for you or not. A lot of people saying that one's darn good. And they got fantastic... Uh, Fantastic happy hour specials there. I need to go. I need to go to Knight Brothers um, and try that. If you want to see some of the suggestions for some of the best burgers out there, it's all over. I love Seville. Um I hope you enjoyed the program, man. This is about as local as local gets. This program. Ginny, who says, I seriously doubt the parents were aware that this book was being read to students at Johnson Elementary and Ginny Hu says on Twitter and that's something I would love to hear our school board candidates discuss let them be clear if they don't support parental rights that's a great comment I mention this live on air I, look keeping secrets from parents is never a good idea you don't keep secrets from parents do not do that you don't keep secrets from mom and dad. Don't keep secrets from mom and dad. And I do think both, I think candidates in both Almaro County races and Charlottesville City races should be, po- po- should be posed the question of what happened at Johnson Elementary and get response and reaction on the record. I truly believe that should be something candidates, hell, any jurisdiction, Right? I think that's today's show. We went 80 minutes without taking a break, hitting the head, or going to commercial. 80 minutes without taking a break, hitting the head, or going to commercial break. There is not a single broadcaster in this community that does that. Do you want to add anything, Judah Wickhauer? No. Is that all she wrote?
1: Uh, I think so.
0: the I Love Seville show on a Monday. We are back here at 1230 and Ginny Hu gave me this suggestion. Anytime we are off air, I will let you know in advance with as much time as possible. This is not a top four revenue stream for this firm. So there are times we miss doing the show because we have to prioritize the top four streams. Ginny asked that we give folks a heads up when we're not on air. And I think it's a great piece of feedback. We will do it. But tomorrow, we will be on air. For Judah Wickhauer, I'm Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us.